I'm Eileen Dunn and this is our special Good Friday edition of The God Slot. There is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. So we are ambassadors for Christ since God is making his appeal through us. We entreat you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That extract was from the second letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. This is what we can say with historical accuracy about Jesus of Nazareth, that a young Galilean healer, preacher and exorcist called Jesus was executed by the Roman authorities in or around the year 33 AD and that he had such an effect on his group of followers that their lives were transformed forever, so much so that they believed he was the Christ, the Son of God, who rose from the dead and walked among them. Those are the facts, but there's a lot more to truth than mere facts. And on this Good Friday, one of the most sacred days in the Christian calendar, when the death of Jesus is commemorated, we pose the question, why did he die? To help us answer, we have a very distinguished panel from our Limerick studios, the Abbot of Glen Stall, Mark Patrick Hederman, from our Galway studios, lecturer in theology, ethics and our regular film critic, Barry Macmillan, from the studios of Radio Solent Southampton, Emeritus Professor of Theology at the University of Wales and visiting professor at St Mary's University College in Twickenham, Mary Gray. And here in studio with me, the rector of Killer the Grange, Black Rock and Theology. Theology graduate, the Reverend Ferrand Glenfield. Ferrand, I'm going to come to you first because you're here in front of me. Before we ask the big question, mm. was the introduction oversimplistic? No, I don't think so. Uh, um, Eileen, I want to take you on this day, Good Friday, to Christ Church Cathedral um, in Dublin, one of the most iconic church buildings here uh, in Ireland. Imagine it, if you can, the choir process singing the hymn, Lift High the Cross. And, and a cross is visible. The whole thing is cross-shaped. The architecture, the liturgy, the readings, the preaching, communion. Christianity is cross-shaped. Uh, and Jesus is just what the cross is. And you won't understand Jesus until you understand his cross. Why? Uh, we are separated from God. He is distinct from us. Uh, and in order to uh, bring us to God, Christ died. He did something that we could not do of ourselves. Okay, Barry, if I can come to you, and before I ask you the big question, put your film reviewer's hat on and tell us how Hollywood has dealt 
with the passion and death of Christ. One of the things that most uh, characterises Hollywood depictions of gospel stories, particularly perhaps of the passion, is that they're generally made to serve uh, a particularly conservative, for want of a word, purpose, insofar as that uh, they're generally made with a view to uh, affirming uh, the beliefs uh, of those who are already believers uh, and insofar as Hollywood is a business um, it is their business to do that because that's the obvious audience that they're made for. The difficulty uh, with that particular approach is that generally what happens and Mel Gibson's The Passion of the Christ was a very particular and explicit example of this uh, what generally is done there is, is there's a, a, an assumption that gospel provides script which is of course to misunderstand the purpose of gospel, um, because it assumes that gospel is a kind of first century reportage of the events, when in fact uh, gospels are in fact testimonies. They're a a retrospective uh, retelling uh, of what the events are. And with that retrospective retelling, what tends to happen is that they're then invested with significance from after the event uh, as the authors look back. If one doesn't advert to that or one doesn't understand that uh, when dealing with gospel then what happens is is that the characters uh, seem to have uh, some particularly overreaching or overarching sense of what's going on. There's a, I always remember a very clear moment in, in Gibson's film where it's Mary uh, on Jesus' arrest um, makes this very stoic statement, it is begun. Um, so so if one doesn't understand uh, that uh, gospel needs to be, if you like, unpicked uh, in terms of its testimonial aspect back to its, if you like, documentary aspect, uh, then one ends up with something of a misrepresentation of what was actually going on at the time. And Barry Macmillan, theologian, why did he die? This is one of the great troubling questions, Eileen. A variety of theologies and positions are are evident, um, even from the earliest uh, testimonies in the New Testament, right through um, to the Reformation and beyond. I have to say, as a, as a theological ethicist, I have real difficulty with some of, of what we might call the standard or the classical approaches like ransom theory or satisfaction theory or penal substitution theory because of the implications that they have for the kind of God um, who would require those things to be borne out in the way that, that traditionally they've been expl- explained. I tend to, to edge more towards what's what's kind of, if you like, called the the moral theories or recapitulation theories, is that um, that the purpose uh, of this whole enterprise, uh, which is to see death and resurrection um, as sides of the same event and death and resurrection as consistent with a life lived, uh, I tend to see those as more of a, a process of enabling humanity to become as God is. Mary Gray, you've written extensively on theology, particularly from a feminist standpoint. So where do you stand on this question? Well, I'm in great sympathy with what Barry has just said about I have loads of problems with ransom, penal substitution theories, etc. And I think that whereas I recognise the picture that the Reverend Ferron gave us and we could go to many churches around the world to see that kind of cross-safe picture on Good Friday, I think this misses the point because the heart of Jesus' mission was the proclamation and the embodying of the kingdom of God, the reign of God, of peace and justice. And we we, we miss that when we focus on the cross. If you're going to ask me the question, why did Jesus die? He died because the proclamation of this kingdom of peace, of non-violence, of a whole different ethic and way of being clashed 
with the dominant violent regime of the Roman domination, the occupation, as it clashes with the numerous violent regimes which are reigning and have in our own day, in our contemporary society. Now, you don't Even in Jesus' own land, there's an occupation now as there was in his day. And Mark Patrick, Hederman, finally to you. I think Jesus died because he decided to become human and therefore we all die. And the form of his death was the result of stupidity and political, I suppose, violence, as, as Mary says. And I believe that he died for us and died for love and that we use images and tell stories and have been doing that since this happened. But there are our stories, there are imagery, and we use pastoral imagery, military imagery, medical imagery, sacerdotal imagery, sacrificial imagery, legal and juridical imagery. But that's to try and explain this to ourselves. And I agree with what Barry is saying uh, from the beginning of cinema, from the very first film that was ever made was on the Passion. And I suppose they just picked out a number of these accounts and said, this is going to be the canon, this is going to be the definitive version, just as if we were to pick out... Uh, Zeffirelli or Rossellini or Pasolini or Scorsese or, for instance, Mel Gibson as our choice for the 20th century. So it's all to do with our telling of the story, but God came on earth to tell us that God is love and Jesus died for us and for love. Farron, does any of that offend your, your version of the tale? Uh, no, uh, um, uh, not in the least. I think the need for atonement, the need for the cross, is brought about by three things. First, uh, the universality of sin, um, the seriousness of sin, uh, and that ultimately people cannot deal with the situation that they are in a sinful uh, situation. I think you see that in the, the biblical witness, uh, and we see that in contemporary Ireland. And Jesus came to deal with that there the outward manifestation of sin. But as he said in the Gospels, the outward manifestation of sin is only there because it's within us in terms of attitude and intent and ambition, greed and jealousy and jealousy and, and hurtful thinking. And Jesus had to do something about that. And so he comes down a particular line. He comes down the line of, of those who we would say are on the wrong side of the referee. And as, as Mark has said, he gets involved in the political intrigue. But he's very clear why he's doing this, that he has come not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You say sin is within us. Why? Sin is there because, again, the biblical witness is that uh, it's endemic to the human condition. Um, right back in the in the book of Genesis, which many people, of course, um, want to gloss over, it is there that because uh, in the New Testament said one man sinned, we have all, uh, uh, as it were, uh, acquired the virus. And Christ came to deal with that, and he was uniquely placed because he was God incarnate. Any of you like to take that up, Mary? Well, I wanted to take... Reverend Ferran back to um, his mention of the resurrection which 
is the first time that that word has actually occurred in our conversation so far. And to just reflect on the fact that the early Christians, up till the fourth century, up till the conquest of Constantine, when the cross became the symbol for military victory, that the early Christians focused on the resurrection, go to the early churches, like the earliest in uh, Ravenna, for example, the early mosaics, they are all imagery of light and life and love. When you mention films, Barry, it's all films of, of the cross and the death. Why is it that symbolism of life doesn't have the same ring? And for 300 years, early Christians focused on the life and the crucifixion, had very little kind of um, impact in the sense that, of course, he died, but he lives, and it's living presence. And that's what dominated the, the imagery and the life of early Christianity as it had dominated in the life of the early Jesus and his presence and his eating with them and his forgiveness and his refusal to hate the enemy. And that's what I think we need to get back to instead of wallowing in imagery of sacrificial victimhood. Mary, I'm, I'm intrigued what you say uh, about the positivity of the resurrection. I don't think you can have the cross without the resurrection. Uh, and uh, you're undoubtedly aware of, of the work of C.H. Dodd, an English theologian, mm. who... Um, studied very carefully the, the kerygma, the gospel proclamation of the early church, both uh, in the Acts of the Apostles, uh, attributed to, to St. Luke, and, and also the writings of Paul, who was, uh, as it were, the pioneer of, of, of the, the non-Jewish um, church. Uh, and again, uh, Dodd came up with the uh, the conclusion that the kerygma of, of Paul and the kerygma of Peter uh, and John uh, in the Acts of the Apostles was that Christ died according to the scriptures uh, to deliver us out of this present age. He was buried, he rose again on the third day accordance to the scriptures. Mark, Patrick, can I bring you in here? Yes. You, you have sp- spoken and emphasised the, the resurrection. Do you think there's an overemphasis on the suffering? Well, I think that uh, we have made too much of the fact that crucifixion was a form of execution at that time. And I think if we're examining the cross, uh, we have to realize that it's actually a human situation, that the way we live biologically is uh, we live horizontally. We go from birth to death in a horizontal line. And the way we're called to by Jesus and the resurrection is a vertical dimension. And we're called to live upwards and forever so that uh, imagistically we are all on a cross, that the cross is formed by those two lines and that all our lives are on that particular cross so that for me a film like Mel Gibson's is a two and a half hour snuff movie which for me is a pornography of violence. But what about the whole notion then that it was preordained that Jesus himself knew he must die and that he tried to stop it? Luke tells us that in the Garden of Gethsemane he asked his father if there might be some other way. I do not believe for one minute in predestination. I believe that's a complete fabrication. Uh, We were given free will, and so half this story is what we do. There was absolutely no necessity for Jesus to be crucified. That was all historically uh, 
politically uh, arranged through circumstance. Could Anyone else? There? Yes, Mary, I'd really please. like to come in there because I, I couldn't agree more with Mark in not wanting to accept this predestined, foreordained. I think it gives us a very damaging notion of God the Father, this patriarchal God who sends the beloved son to his death. As one author says, the Father God stands by in a passive anguish as the beloved son suffers. All we know about nurturing love can't, can't accept that. And dare I say it, that it's such a harmful notion. It seems to me that it's there underpinning notions of violence, even notions of child abuse. That may seem extreme and over the top, but we don't challenge these notions of, of sacrifice, of victimhood, and see how our religious notions, the images that are there, even if we don't um, articulate them overtly, psychically they're there underpinning the say well it's all right because this harsh father god which comes from a kind of warrior god depiction which was there to some extent in some of jesus disciples and apostles they wanted jesus to be violent like the zealots and the bandits of his time and because the ethic of jesus the ethic of the kingdom stood in such stark contrast people even his closest friends found difficulty in understanding it, let alone taking it on board. And that's why I say we must make clear the notions of the patriarchal God that we're dealing with and try to see that our God, our Trinitarian God, is, is a loving God that could never sanction violence. If I could just come in there, Eileen. Barry, uh, just yes. On that particular point, uh, just to, to go back to, to something I said earlier, uh, I, I think the misunderstanding that arises around this sense of predestination is is based on a, on a failure to grasp the formation process of gospel. Um, remember that, that, that what gospel is, it, it's, it's, it's a retrospective testimony. Um, it, it isn't reportage. Uh, it is uh, communities of people um, coalescing uh, the various traditions and the various ideas and understandings they have developed by the end or the latter part at least of the first century uh, in order to explain to others what they understand to have happened. Um, so the predestinationalism arises from reading gospel as forward-looking rather than as, as backward-looking. So then is there such a thing as gospel truth? Uh, none, none of that is 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 to remove uh, a sense of truth from gospel. But like any other form of of human endeavour, uh, if we don't understand uh, the process that's gone into its writing and the process of its articulation, then we will misunderstand it. You know, one doesn't go to a recipe book uh, looking for poetry. Um, one doesn't read Wordsworth as a guide to good living. Um, so we need to understand a the kind of literature it is be the formation of it as a piece of literature and see what its purpose is. Without that, then we misread it. Farron, can I come back to you? You say, uh, A couple of people have said he mm. became human so that he could die. You, in your opening remarks, said he did something that we couldn't do. Yes, we can't do. We cannot atone for sin. Jesus alone, um, the Christian faith teaches, can atone for sin. I, I just want to go back to what Mary and, and Mark said, which I think there is a dissonance between that and the New Testament witness to Jesus. Do you remember the story of the, the two disconsolate disciples who had backed, put their shirt on Jesus, and then they saw him die 
uh, and uh, there was some rumours that he was alive and on the way back from Jerusalem to Emmaus uh, the risen Lord joins them and is in conversation with them. He opens up the scriptures to them and then he appears to uh, to the rest of the disciples uh, having revealed himself to them and he says this in, in Luke's gospel these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer on the third day from the dead, should suffer and on the third day be raised from the dead, and repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. I think the fact that, uh, that, that, that this scripture and other scriptures in the New Testament seem to affirm that this was in the plan of purpose of God, even though we find it somewhat distasteful um, and we, we cannot get our heads uh, around it. The, the cross really is a scandal uh, to our sensitivities, whether there are sensitivities in the, the 21st century or Marcion's sensitivities in the 4th century when he said, you know, we, sh- we have to abandon this idea of God. So do and you agree that the gospel then is retrospective and is reportage? I, I believe the gospel is, is the, the truth of God, the eyewitness accounts to, to what happened. Uh, they are the only documents that we have uh, really to give us an understanding of, of who Jesus is and what he came to do uh, to restore a broken world. Uh, and it took uh, the calamity uh, and the enormity of the cross and of the resurrection to, to accomplish that task. So the reason he died was to bring about the resurrection? No, the resurrection was a vindication of why Jesus died, uh, that the power of God was at work within him uh, and that he conquered sin and death uh, and has the capacity to reconcile us uh, to God and to each other. Uh, in what Mary was talking about, that, that peaceful uh, picture uh, of the kingdom of God, that otherness of God, which um, we so long uh, for our world today that the world would be the right way up rather than the wrong way that it is as we see it in the news uh, and experience it in our, our, the frustrations uh, of everyday life. Mary? Well, I'm just meditating on what Farron is just saying, and I, I find it very strange, Farron, that you won't accept Barry's point about what the Gospel texts are, because they are eyewitness accounts, you say, but in their own words, the, the apostles ran away. So how do they know all that about how Jesus died and what happened? They ran away. Well, I think in the light of the, the resurrection, uh, Mary, that uh, in John's Gospel, which, uh, as you're aware, is, is probably just a month in the life of Jesus, John writes his Gospel, and at the end he notes that these things were written that you might believe that Christ is the Son of the living God and that you might have life in his name. Uh, and these people were convinced with that. Uh, they, most of these men and women went to their death because of that belief that life was available in uh, the Son of God, Jesus, whom they walked with, uh, whom they lived with, whom they saw die, and whom they experienced and saw him, the risen Lord. But is John the apostle or is John the Johannine, is that what you call it, the group the, of the early church? Well, scholars uh, scholars vary in that there, but uh, I think somebody like Richard Walkman, who's a very uh, eminent theologian uh, and scholar, has said that these are uh, these are fundamentally eyewitness accounts of, of, of what happened uh, in the life and ministry, death and resurrection of Jesus. Um, uh, and, and this is what we have. But can I come in there and 
Farron, I absolutely passionately agree with you in, in the coherence of what John's message is, that believing you may have life in his name, and that's what I'm trying to say all the time, it's life in his name, and going back to the idea that the life that Jesus is offering is a life of flourishing, a whole mm. symbol system mm. of life and flourishing, and that if we concentrate too much on cross symbolism, we get a fetish on violence. We get, yes. we get into the mistake of saying that all suffering is redemptive, all sacrifice is redemptive. It is clearly not. Uh, no, but there Jesus, is, I think, Mary, is, is unique in that sense. Uh, do you remember when they, they brought uh, Greeks to him? John records it, I think, in the, in the 12th chapter of his Gospel. Uh, and there is a device, as you know, in John's Gospel, of the R, uh, and that the R has not yet come. And yet when these Greeks, these uh, uh, people who were intrigued by Jesus, came to, to meet him, he says, now the R has come. Uh, and he gives uh, what that R means. Unless a grain of wheat dies and goes into the ground, it will not bear fruit. Uh, and Jesus had to die in order to uh, enable humanity to flourish, to grow, to develop, to multiply. Uh, all the symbols uh, uh, that, that, that you have said about life and affirming things. But Christ had to die for that. And, and unfortunately, sadly, his means of death was a death of, of execution. Uh, and yes, we recoil from the cross. We recoil from the cross. But it, it was a necessity. Uh, uh, a necessity that someone should die uh, that we might have freedom uh, and I think you can see that played out in, in the world today in, in a sense what's taking place in Libya what is taking place in Libya and Syria violent things happen in order for people to be freed from repressive regimes uh, and for them hopefully in, in Libya and hopefully we pray in Syria for people to flourish uh, and to have that freedom that they don't enjoy Mark, Patrick or Barry, do you want to come in on that notion of sacrifice or all sacrifice being redemptive? No, I, I agree with Mary. I, I do not believe that all sacrifice is redemptive, certainly not. And I uh, believe that Jesus Christ came to give us God's life. Uh, that's the difficulty, that Jesus came on earth. There was absolutely no necessity for him to be crucified. He, he just had to come on earth uh, and give us this life, which is divine life. So we participate in the life of Jesus because Jesus became one of us. And that's the, um, the great mystery as to how that happened. Now, I uh, agree completely with what Barry is saying, that uh, different people gave different accounts of this and St. John was one of those I think St. John's Gospel is one of the most extraordinary pieces of writing that has ever happened on the planet and it has a logic within it and it has a, an explanation of the mystery but it's different from the other Gospels and it's different from what St. Paul says so they're all trying their best to explain the mystery and the mystery is how was it that God loved us so much that God came on earth died and rose again so that we might have that alternative energy of divine life uh, available to us that that's the great thing so I agree with Mary it's the divine life 
that we must give people and not some kind of uh, twisted notion about sacrifice which means that in order to achieve or to be um, able to participate in divine life that we have to suffer ourselves in some way and that it's going to be all right. There is no question about it. There is an amount of violence and suffering going on in the world and sacrifice which should not be there and which uh, every one of us should be uh, violently, if that's the right word, opposed to. And yet, Mark, Jesus says to those first followers and in the, uh, after the revelation that uh, who he was, the Christ, uh, and then his prediction of his death and setting out the terms of, of what that would be, he would say, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up the cross, and keep on following after me. Uh, and it would seem from the New Testament witness and the, the history of the early Christians and indeed uh, the experience of Christians uh, throughout the, the, the centuries that that divine life that Christ offers us, he is the way, the truth and the life, comes uniquely through his unique death upon the cross, his sacrifice for sins uh, and our acceptance uh, of what he has done and our gratitude. Uh, and that transaction takes place uh, I believe, when we, we come to the Jesus who died for me and the Jesus who lives for me. And because he lives, then I can also live through him. Well, I mean, the, all that you're saying uh, is obviously true in a certain sense, but it's the fixation on the cross that I disagree with. Jesus has accomplished all that, and the cross is the great tree on which we have to now bear fruit. Uh, if you follow it to its logical conclusion, we should all die the same kind of death that Jesus died. That's not true. Uh, we shouldn't all be crucified. This is what happens out in the Philippine Islands mm. on, on mm. Good Friday, is that people actually go and are crucified. I mean, that's absolutely abhorrent. Absolutely. It is the exact opposite of what Jesus is teaching. So what we're saying to you, as I understand it, mm. is we have to be very careful about this. It's not as easy as you're presenting it. I don't think it's easy that I'm presented, and I think it's incredibly complex. But um, I, I'm not sure if Barry is aware of the um, the work of the, the Pre-Raphaelites, the Romantic painters, Holman Hunt and uh, Rossetti and, and people like that. One of Holman Hunt's famous uh, pictures, depictions of Jesus, is entitled The Shadow of Death. Uh, and it depicts Jesus stripped down, as it were, in the carpenter shop, waist uh, uh, up, as it were. He stretches himself... Uh, and then it's just in the evening sunlight, and the, the sunlight casts a shadow in the form of a cross on the wall behind him. I don't think you can read the Gospels without understanding that Jesus is going to die. He's a first-century Jew in the Greco-Roman world with the Roman Empire, and the means of death uh, for treason, for sedition, is, is the cross. I'm not suggesting for one reason, Mark, that we die on the cross, but we have to die to our selfishness, die to our own sin, to admit that, uh, and to accept what Christ has done on the cross in our behalf. Now, unfortunately, we're running out of time, folks. So could I have a final comment from Barry and from Mary, perhaps? As a final comment, um, I think on, on a Good Friday, uh, we need to acknowledge that there is cross. 
we also need to acknowledge that Friday moves to Sunday and mm-hmm. that Friday and Sunday are intimately linked with one another. However, we also need to bear in mind that Friday and Sunday are intimately linked back to, if you like, to Christmas morning, to mm. the birth. The whole thing is a cohesive whole. Uh, and I entirely agree with Mary. A fetishization of Friday to the detriment of Sunday and to Christmas morning is one of the things that the Christian tradition has been guilty of and one of the things we need to move beyond. So let's acknowledge everything that Friday is, but let's remember the other aspects as well. And Mary? Just to follow on, I think that um, I agree with that cohesive whole, focus on the cohesive whole, but I also would like to just say, it's, to put it strongly, that yes, Jesus died, it's incontrovertible, the texts say it, and so on, but I think the cross is about ending the need for anybody to be crucified anymore because we are asked to follow Jesus yes plenty of crosses in our lives but we're asked to take them up in the way that Jesus did resist violence act out of radical love take what sacrifice comes your way but only in following Jesus agenda which is to bring about the kingdom of peace and justice and the wholeness of life Okay, unfortunately there we'll have to leave this discussion which may not have resolved anything but has certainly provided food for thought as we await Sunday's celebrations. My sincere thanks tonight to Professor Mary Gray, to Abbot Mark Patrick Hedeman, the Reverend Ferran Glenfield and to Barry Macmillan. If you've any comments on what you've heard tonight, our phone number is 012082039, our email address godslot at rte.ie and the postal address is the Godslot RTE Radio 1 Dublin 4. We'll be back next Friday at the same time. Idarondalin, Banachtin Nakoska, Orav Illig. A very happy Easter.